All right, news roundup, information overload, hour 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, we had told you about a case and a, a judge's order, a judge blocking a hospital from taking a COVID patient uh, off of life support, in other words, a ventilator, and the judge had issued a temporary restraining order barring doctors at Mercy Hospital north of Minneapolis from removing uh, from this man, his name is Scott Aquiner, from a ventilator after they declined to provide treatment that his wife, Ann Quiner, had requested. Now, we've chronicled the story for you. We told you all about it. Uh, we actually have audio tape of the doctors telling Ann Quiner that they would be taking her husband off the ventilator. Listen. We, you know, at Mercy here, we've determined that ongoing um, ventilatory support of Scott, really based on the medical judgment of all providers that are now involved, um, is contrary to accepted medical practice and is deemed what they call non-beneficial. We are wanting to make you aware that we will be withdrawing ventilatory support to Scott this Thursday at the latest. And we strongly encourage and hope that you'll be part of this process as we work our way through it. This is, um, you know, this decision is really hard. And again, we are truly sorry, but we are, um, we do not believe that any ongoing ventilatory support will achieve any meaningful recovery um, or return to his of his lung function. Um, and we also do not believe um, that ongoing support will allow him to breathe independently or have, um, or the, the, there's the chance that you actually leave the hospital is exceedingly low at this time. Furthermore, we are also convinced that any attempt to lighten the sedation is causing him pain and suffering without any expectation of providing a benefit for improvement. Now let me play Scott's wife, Ann Quiner, telling doctors she would like to use an ECMO machine uh, to keep her husband alive longer. Uh, doctors say they don't have one. Uh, eventually what they did is they moved Scott to a Texas hospital after this legal fight to get him transferred. Uh, listen to Ann fighting for her husband. So um, I have actually been in contact with a doctor, um, actually a couple doctors, uh, and there is still a possibility that they will accept Scott as a transfer for some further options. So I'm just going to let you know that, that I don't know yet, but I, it is a, it's a possibility. So I will know soon. Um, and the other thing was, um, you know, I had brought up, you know, before a couple weeks ago about an ECMO machine, you know, and they did tell me that you guys have one there, but you guys don't really use it, you know, and it is a possibility, you know, from what my experience is, it, you, it's an artificial, you know, lung until it gives them some time to heal so that they can have a lung transplant. And it doesn't have to be at the U of M. There are other, other you know, places that could accept him for a lung transplant. So we do not we do not have an ECMO machine at Mercy, and at this point, okay. lungs are so destroyed, unfortunately, from the COVID pneumonia. Uh, okay. All of our experts do not believe there is any chance that you will have any lung recovery from it. Okay. All right. So that was the conversation. He eventually did. Scott did get moved to the Texas hospital. Sadly, he lost his battle and he has passed away. Uh, Ann Quiner is with us, the widow of Scott Quiner. And along with her husband's physician, Dr. Joseph Varon, um, director of COVID-19 ICU United Memorial Medical Center and her attorney, Thomas Renz. And uh, I want to thank you all for being with us. And Ann, uh, my deepest sympathies and prayers for you and your family. Um, 
unfortunately, I know too many people. I keep saying to people, I've seen the worst of this, and this is the worst of it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you for allowing me to share the story about Scott. What I don't understand, and I've had other people in the exact same situation you you were in, if mm-hmm. this is the family's wish, they don't want to give up. Now, I took note of non-beneficial was a phrase that the doctor used in the, in the first uh, cut that I played. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, that's his medical professional opinion, and, and apparently of the entire staff at the hospital. I can under, understand. They thought your husband's lungs were ravaged by COVID. I get it. But at the end of the day, shouldn't those medical decisions, the final medical decision, whether to keep somebody alive or or take them off life support, I believe that decision should be with the family. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. And it was all about their science. And whenever I would say, let's try other options, they would say, we don't believe in that. And we don't do that here. And so there was no, there was never any other options other than the heavy medications that they constantly uh, enforced on him without my knowledge. And I had the healthcare initiative and they still would bully me and constantly address, you know, the cycle of heavy medication, psychotic drugs, for that matter, and in lethal doses. And, and, and okay, sorry. And, and you had, you were the, the legal guardian in terms of uh, making life decisions if your husband's incapacitated. You were the, his medical proxy, in other words. Yes, yes, and I gave them the health care. Did they ever honor it? No. Did mm. they ever ask me many times when I would say, what is your plan of care? And you know, they didn't have a plan of care. They never did. The only plan of care they ever had was to tell me that they wanted me to sign a DNR because that they didn't see that his life was ever going to, you know, recover from COVID. Dr. Varen, um, you're obviously the physician of Scott. Did you, did you find that the care was lacking and that they were unresponsive to Anne's request for her husband? Well, I was concerned because, you know, I had the opportunity to review the records before I got him into Texas. And there were a lot of things that I would have done differently. And even though I know that, you know, two doctors can do two things differently with, you know, getting same result, there were some treatments that were lacking, treatments that we know that can change the outcome of patients. We have been very vocal about the use of high doses of uh, cortisone. We have been very vocal about the use of medications such as ivermectin and a couple of others. And those things were not given. But let me go one step forward. I mean, this man, when he came to me, he was grossly malnourished. There were a lot of other things that were lacking and, 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 and you wonder why. I mean, in this day and age where you know, we can take care of patients with, with COVID in a reasonable manner. Why was he like that? And I guess that's where Thomas Renz, you're the attorney, come, you, you come into play here. You feel that this is a huge medical malpractice case, i got to believe. Well, I think it's worse than malpractice. So, you know, malpractice means negligence or an accident. You know, what I've seen, we've got whistleblower data showing that up to 90% of people put on a vent are dying. There are a lot of alternative treatments, and if the family wants those treatments to be put into place, then the family should certainly be respected. It, I mean, when is it? When did we lose our right to determine our own health care? You go to the hospital and suddenly the doctor is Jesus? I mean, this is absurd. They're safe and effective treatments, and they wouldn't let us do it. 
You know, but this is something that a lot of people don't know is oftentimes hospitals prevent anybody from the family from seeing their loved ones for weeks and weeks, even though obviously their issue is no longer COVID. COVID is long past. It's the aftermath and the damage that's done uh, vis-a-vis COVID pneumonia, COVID lung, whatever whatever your, your preferred term happens to be. And I've seen this happen over and over again, unfortunately. Uh, what I have learned um, and in, in just mm-hmm. every single interview that I've, I've had people on is that you've got to treat people almost immediately, you know, because it tends to hit the lungs. And Dr. Varen, you can correct me on any point where I'm wrong. If I find I have found monoclonal antibodies now to be the treatment of choice. Now, Regeneron, Eli Lilly work great on the original variant, alpha variant of COVID, the Delta variant of COVID, uh, but they now find GSK uh, Sotrabamav, is what it's called, as the as the monoclonal antibody of choice, but again, taken early. You know, we have all these studies, HCQ taken early can mitigate symptoms of people, um, mm-hmm. but monoclonal seem to be the, the ideal, the gold standard. Did anybody at any point ever approach you about that? Actually, I went into the charts, and when Scott went into the first hospital, there was a note on there that said that Scott was uh, that he was a candidate to get the monoclonal antibodies, and I did not know that until after I read that in the chart later on after it was too late. So and he what, was a candidate, and they admitted so it. So how many charts. days, I want to know, how many days after he tested positive was he put in the hospital? Four. Wow. And and, and on was, day four, that's still considered fairly early and there's been a lot of success with monoclonals. So, so Dr. Varen, can you explain why that, that was not administered, the infusion or the shots? Well, I mean, I cannot explain why they didn't do it. And, you know, I mean, we developed a protocol that's called the Math Plus protocol, where in my hospital we have had a mortality of 4.4% when we started early. I mean, that was a mortality that was much less than the rest of the country when the country was having mortality rates in the 25%, uh, just by using simple little things, the high doses of corticosteroids, the uh, ascorbic acid, that's vitamin C, another uh, thing that's called thiamine, which is another vitamin, some uh, ivermectin, and uh, a little bit of a blood thinner. And yet, you know, that protocol wasn't used either. I cannot explain why, but what I do know is that Time to administration of these medications, whether you go monoclonal, whether you go with immediately protocol, makes a difference. Makes a huge difference. And, you know, Thomas, friends, we're now generally speaking, how did we run out of tests after Christmas testing for COVID? How did we run out of monoclonal antibodies? How did they not mass produce the the GSK, Sotrobamab, when when they knew the holiday season was coming up? How did they say well, that, oh, uh, Omicron, oh, we, we didn't see this coming? Joe Biden actually said those words. How, do we, how come we haven't mass produced the antivirals that so many doctors are praising that I, I don't really know a whole lot about? Well, I mean, let me tell you, Sean. So, first of all, the test issue is a little bit more in depth than we probably have time. But basically, the PCR tests don't work, and most of them, or many of them, are on class one recall from the FDA because they don't work. They've never worked. They've always been garbage. Uh, and they certainly, are, you know, if they wouldn't work on the original, which they were supposed to have been designed for, it's hard to argue how see how they're going to work on all these variants. Um, so the PCR tests aren't available probably in large part because they're on recall. Uh, they don't talk about that much. And in terms of the monoclonal antibodies, you know, I mean, listen, 
Biden has one intent, push the, push the jab. And, I, you know, I, wherever you are on that, we don't have to get into that here, but I can tell you one thing. The monoclonals work, early treatment works, all these things work. And, you know, instead of covering up early treatments and all these things so he can kowtow to his special interests, he probably ought to start looking out for the best interests of the American people. Uh, I agree completely. And the guy was handed three vaccines and monoclonal antibodies. And we have the ability to adapt the monoclonal antibodies to any new variant that comes on board. But you got to have the will to mass produce it. And they have dropped the ball on continuing Operation Warp Speed. Um, so let me ask you from a legal standpoint, where are you taking this case? Well, we're suing everybody over everything, and we're already suing Biden over some of the vaccine stuff. We're suing him uh, on everything, but we've got to go after these hospitals. And it's not just Annie's case. Annie's case is a disaster. And again, thanks God for the for Sue's audience having the courage to get these guys out of there. But we see this all over. I've got a case where a veteran with PTSD was treated so badly in a hospital, he actually had an accident. They rubbed his face in it. We have we have cases uh, where I have a case where a person went on record saying your loved one is going to die in my hospital, even though the family was asking to get them out on, against medical advice. The horrors I hear on a daily basis are mind blowing, and I just pray to God that we can we can get the court. There's no excuse for it. Um, and you don't have to answer this question if you don't want, because I believe in medical privacy. But was your husband vaccinated? And again, you don't have to answer. No, he wasn't. And that's actually one of the conversations that I had with the doctor where it was on. I recorded her saying that if your husband was vaccinated, or no, if we could go back in time and your husband was vaccinated, he would not be in here. And, and basically, he's going to die because of this. She told uh, me that. On the, I recorded it. So it sounds like you recorded every conversation, uh, Thomas Renz. I would imagine that is going to be extremely helpful to you in the court of law if they don't settle out of court. But the sad thing is, is we can't bring your husband back in. And I know. the fact that we yeah. have therapeutics that are proven, mm-hmm. um, I, I've seen it time and time again. We can't find them right now uh, or running out of tests or not mass producing antivirals is unbelievable because by the way fully vaccinated people with boosters and natural immunity are getting mm-hmm. it for the second time so mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. it's not a a problem of the unvaccinated as we keep get, getting lectured you lost your husband and all of this i don't want to lose the humanity uh here right. um i know it's devastating i know many people that have yeah. gone through it our prayers are with you and your family yeah and thank you for sharing your story. I hope people understand and learn. Hopefully we, we can learn from this, everybody, and, and take, you know, be smart. Talk to our doctors ahead of time how they, you will deal with a positive test if it comes your way. Thank you for being with us. We're, we're uh, praying for you and your family. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. God bless you. Thank you. 800-941-SHAWN is a number you want to be a part of the program.
Exposing left-wing media bias. No stone left unturned. The Sean Hannity Show is back on the air. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. I don't know if you've been paying attention. We have uh, to what's going on in Canada with this Freedom Convoy 2022. It's getting bigger and bigger. The most amazing thing, and it's to protest the vaccine mandate. Uh, the most amazing thing is that you have you have all the people going out on the street supporting these truckers. You know, the two people, the two groups of people that I, I, I believe have been mistreated the most with this mandate are... The people that worked in hospitals, nurses, doctors, orderlies, you know, janitors, you know, every day they went into a COVID Petri dish. Every day they were diving on COVID grenades when we knew nothing about it. Most of them contracted COVID themselves trying to save lives. And, you know, it's it's the it's the same with truckers. Now, if truckers didn't truck um, and if. Packers didn't pack and nurses didn't go to a hospital and doctors didn't go to the hospital. Guess what? Uh, you think it, the death rate is high now? It would have been that much higher. I noticed that Nova Scotia and Canada, they've outlawed, outlawed support on the highway for freedom for this freedom convoy after this massive protest. Truckers in the United States, by the way, are apparently getting ready to follow the lead of their Canadian counterparts and form a convoy that's going to travel from California to D.C. That's getting interesting. Um, we have Dutch truckers. They have joined Canadians and their freedom convoy against these lockdown measures. Um, and, you know, everybody is furious, by the way, with the Canadian prime minister, Trudeau. And here's his comments denouncing the truckers. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians who have been there for each other, who know that following the science and stepping up to protect each other is the best way to continue to ensure our freedoms, our rights, our values as a country. Now, this Freedom Convoy is just massive. We have audio from some of the, the truckers themselves uh, and their protests in Canada. Listen. I would love to have our freedoms back. I would love for everybody else to have their freedoms back. Because you know what? Backs, unbacks, I don't care. But you can't take away your freedoms. It's not right. We have certain rights of freedoms that our veterans fought for, and one man is taking it away. Why? Ask him. And one man, the one man is Justin Trudeau in your mind. That's him. We need our country back. We're here to end this tyranny of government. We've had enough of this. We've had enough of the shutdowns. We've had enough of it. It's uh, time to stand up for ourselves. We're fighting for the country. We're fighting for everybody. We need our lives back. It's not about vaccine. It's about our lives. Mandates are mandates. They also have to look at the livelihood of people, and that's what they're not doing. They're not looking at people's livelihoods. When people get fired from their job after 10 years of driving a truck because they can't do it to cross the border, there's an issue. Man, amazing, amazing, amazing commentary. Now, there is a Monmouth poll out, a new one. 70% of Americans agree with the sentiment that it's time we accept COVID is here to stay and just need to get on with our lives, including 78% of those reported haven't gotten gotten COVID already, and 65% of those that say they've not been infected. The main difference is the sense that it's time to move on. Uh, 89% of Republicans feel that way, 71% of independents, and, and only 47% of Democrats. 
Um, but let me tell you right now, I love truckers. Truckers stop trucking in the United States. It's over. You think you have a supply chain crisis now? You're you you every store you go to will be they'll you'll have bare shelves everywhere. That's how important they are in terms of the lifeline to our economy and our way of life. Anyway, Jason LaFosse is with us. He's one of the organizers of this Freedom Convoy in in Canada. Sir, how are you? Glad you uh, glad you took the time to be with us. Hey, thank you for being uh, having me on, uh, Sean. Uh, I don't know if people in Canada know me very well, but that that would be interesting to know. The oh, we do. What, what's oh okay? I'm glad. Uh, but I will tell you. At first, they were saying that Trudeau was hiding from you guys because he was scared to death. Then it turns out he tested positive for COVID. Now I'm sure he followed all his own rules and he had as his booster. People with boosters and even natural immunity are still getting COVID, so it's it's with us whether we like it or not. The question here is this: Why won't you're in a truck alone. I assume you drive by yourself, correct? No, I don't drive. Uh, I've been around trucks all my life, uh, and I've had family who asked me to jump on board to help organize the event. So you're one of the organizers of this. How many truckers have you now uh, have now joined this Freedom Convoy? Well, uh, this weekend we got to count between passenger vehicles and trucks. We had over a hundred thousand, and just the people on the ground, they reached one point two million. And your American counterparts, I understand, are planning on joining you in Canada at the border sometime soon. Is that true? That's correct. And you've heard about this Freedom Convoy, perhaps from organized starting in California all the way to D.C.? As a matter of fact, um, when we were planning this event here in Canada, I was actually on a Twitter space with, a, with about like 50 different truckers from the United States. A lot of them from California, from Utah, Wisconsin. Uh, North Dakota, and, you know, the sentiment's there. It's the same. They stand with us. They're standing, you, you, you stand in solidarity with Canadians, just like as we stand with Americans. And right now, in our country, you know, we have a prime minister who just, he's a dictator, straight up, and he's using liberal media to slander us left, right, and center. Um, you know, like today, just like about uh, 10 minutes ago, he posted on his on his Twitter feed that our, organi- our, pro- our organization and our movement is stealing from the homeless. Like, stealing yeah. from the home. What do you mean stealing yeah. from the homeless? What is he talking yeah. about? Okay, so what we have, what we set up is all the people came together in Canada. So in Ottawa, all over Ontario, all over all over the country, everybody made donations for food, they made sandwiches, they baked goods, I mean, to keep the truckers fed. Now, at the same time, we have an excess of food. So we decided, hey, it would be a great opportunity to feed the public and feed the homeless because, you know, Ottawa does have a homeless population. We could help these people keep them warm because we have so many resources on the ground that we can actually help some people. So that's what we were doing in Confederation Park. Just an example yesterday, my guys were hand, they handed out 1100 bowls of soup to the homeless public and to people who were driving. I mean, it, and, and, that, and when I was being accused of stealing food, it just makes no sense. This prime minister has, has been attacking his own population and then his announcement this morning is he wants 100% people, 100% of the population to get vaccinated and basically suspending our, our rights. It makes no sense. Okay, then let's 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 march us through. Now they tried to do this with healthcare workers and more hospital systems that put it put into place this vaccine mandate. Now the court ruled it was unconstitutional, thankfully, in the U.S., so now that's been lifted, but not in the cases of hospitals or hospital workers that are being paid with Medicare, Medicaid dollars, separate issue. But the reality is, is nobody can force truckers to truck, and if these guys are adamant in their position, 
you're, you're going to have a supply chain crisis like you've never seen before. You'll have empty store shelves everywhere. Restaurants will have to close down. And probably within a couple of weeks, you're going to be running out of food in a lot of places. Um, I would argue that the leverage really lies with the truckers if they stay united uh, versus Justin Trudeau or if it happens in the U.S. with Joe Biden. No, you're correct. And there's, there's, there's another factor to the shortage, to the food shortage and to the supply chain management right now. Yes, it's being affected because of the truckers taking a stand and they stand united. Believe me, they're not moving and we're not we're not leaving this city until the demands are met. Now, the other the other side of this is this is an untold story that's going on in Canada, because in Canada, our farms are actually farmed by. Uh, immigrants that come into a, to our country, and, and they're good workers. We get guys from Mexico, we get people from the United States of America. They come in, they farm our land, and we put it to, we put it to market. Now, what's happened is, is in the last year, there was changes to how they were dealing with the people uh, who were growing and, and cultivating. And, I mean, it already started. Like, you go to the grocery stores here in Canada, you buy some fruit or vegetables, you bring it home, and usually it lasts you a while, right? It lasts you know, a few days or whatever. No, it's like the next day, things are going rotted right away. So this is just a result of bad management and forced vaccination on the population. I have a, such a deep respect for all those people that worked in hospitals, especially in the beginning of this pandemic. And I think it's such a slap in the face. They were, you know, literally in a COVID Petri dish every day. Now, I used to say if the nurses didn't show up, the doctors didn't show up, the janitors didn't show up, the orderlies didn't show up, um, there would be so many more dead people from COVID. It's, you can't even begin to fathom or, or count out or extrapolate out how many people, more people would have died. And the same thing if farmers didn't farm, packers didn't pack, truckers didn't truck, you were the lifeline to everybody that was living in the middle of this pandemic. And all of you... And every step of the way, we're putting your lives at risk to make sure that everything, all the medical supplies we needed, all the food supplies that we needed, all the supplies of pretty much everything that we needed, because almost everything you buy comes from a truck that's delivered somewhere. And I don't, I think it's a very underappreciated industry, and I think it's kind of a slap in the face to the medical industry and the trucking industry uh, to do this to them. Absolutely. I mean, when I, uh, when I, in my city where I live, I live in Sudbury, Ontario, and uh, our hospital laid off, I think it was approximately, or they fired almost 200 people. And, and it's exactly what you say, Sean. You know, these people are heroes during the entire pandemic, and they became heroes to zeros over a forced mandate, which is not even a law. It's a suggestion in Canada. And when you, and this is the other thing, in Canada, these vaccines are not even approved. They're, they're approved uh, for use under an emergency order, and it's still an experimental phase. As it stands right now in Canada, it's an experimental phase. So when you have a choice and say, hey, look, I don't want to take this vaccine, and the government says, well, I'm going to force it on you anyways, but it's an experiment. So you have to think about that. That's a forced experiment on human beings, and Canada is doing that right now. I mean, it really is going to be interesting to watch. The, the key thing to watch here is how united the truckers stay, how long they're dedicated to fighting for this, how united they're going to be. And because I'm sure there's going to be some independent minor truckers that say, look, I got to pay my mortgage. I can't do this with you, but I support you. And I'm not going to judge them either. But if if this is a majority of truckers, your economy in, in Canada is about to be shut down. 
And I don't think there's a damn thing that Justin Trudeau or any elected official is going to be able to do to stop it, really. Oh, no. Well, this is the thing. Um, so I've been, I managed to get approximately 2,200 uh, trucks just in Ontario. And in, in total, with the whole country with my friends and stuff on my own. Uh, I pulled in about 3,000 trucks just for myself. Now, let me tell you when I, what we're planning on doing. So right now, we call this the first wave lockdown that we did on Ottawa because we're trying to fight for our rights for Canadians. I mean, it's not just about the mandates anymore. It's actually about a lot of the issues that have been affecting Canadians for the last, well, I'd say the last 50 years, maybe 100 years, especially with our Indigenous people because there's a lot of issues there. And there's all these other associations. But what I'm getting at is because we've done this, uh, when you when you ask about how united the truckers are, well, let me tell you, they're united because we already have a second convoy, British Columbia, on its way. We're ready to we're, we're ready to come, and so I mean, Justin seems to think that we're a fringe minority. Well, we proved him wrong this weekend. You know, it's for, yeah, I, I interrupted you, and I'm sorry, I'm I'm just out of time, but I will tell you, yeah. you also have the support of the people of Canada. And I'm guaranteeing oh, yeah. you, I'm I'm making a prediction here and now, that same support of the American people will be with truckers in the U.S. too. And if they... Oh, yeah, if, um, so I can see this now growing by the day. Um, yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time, Jason, to be with us. Please update us as warranted. And uh, please thank all those guys for what they do for all of us every day. The fact that every store we go in is filled with goods and that we all want is because of them, in part. They're a very important part of our economy, and they work really hard, and they're underappreciated. But I want to take time and thank them all. Oh, thank you. And I will go out and reach out to them today because I'm actually going to speak to a lot of them. So I will relay that message for you guys. And I just want to say for Americans, you know, it's great that you're standing in solidarity with us. And uh, for Canadians here, much love to you. God bless you guys all. And uh, we're going to hey, You're going to say Sean Hannity in New York uh, on, on radio in, in, in the United States. They're going to say who? But anyway, please send our love oh, and everybody prayers knows, to Everybody knows you, Sean. Sean oh, okay. I'm, I'm just checking. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I was a little surprised once in Great Britain. But anyway, thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Remember, I said to you, Linda, in Great Britain, we walked into the anti-Trump rally. I said, nobody's going to know me over here. Oh, there and... were so many people waiting to smack you. It was great. <laughs> Who knew? No you were hated everywhere. It was an instant mob. I mean, it was like a flash mob forming around me, and all these cops come running over and say, get the hell out of here. Yeah, that's um, because their security doesn't carry weapons. Yeah, that didn't that didn't give me great comfort either. And no. uh, we we didn't have sensei on our team there. We we, we did it was not. Me alone. Um, I don't know. I don't really put a a high value in your martial arts. Uh, it's not that I don't put a high value on you. It's just there was so many of them. <laughs> Ted Koppel says Sean Hannity is bad for America. Sean Hannity. Portions of the following program were pre-recorded. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. The truckers versus Canada. Will it come to the U.S.? What does it mean? Also, the attempts to silence these, you know, old hippie Vietnam Nixon supporting uh, women's rights uh, leaders. You know, now they want to shut down Joe Rogan and and people that they disagree with. 
Pretty unbelievable. Uh, we'll have an update, the real update from Tom Brady, from somebody who spoke to Tom Brady. Uh, and how did healthcare workers and truckers go from heroes to becoming, oh, bad people? 9 Eastern tonight, Hannity, Fox News. Set your DVR. We'll see you then. Uh, thank you for being with us. You make this show possible. We don't thank you enough.